Some water over there if you want. Thank you. Uh -huh. And some chocolate. Miss Gold put chocolate Man, out. Nuts. Better. Odell, you there? Yes. Can you oh. hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. The, the, he's got a hard stop at 430. So we need to get into it. it. Yes. Get these. You ready? You should be able to hear them. There you go. Pastor, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you well. How you doing, oh, sir? Great. You sound wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I'm, I'm that guy who had a little 410. Mama bought me a 410 at 14 years old and a pack of shells. And you couldn't tell me nothing. That beat that Daisy BB gun real well. <laughs> you could actually get a squirrel with that 410. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a <laughs> doubt. Hey, Odell, here's an idea. We normally do chit chat before we start, uh, him and I. So let's forego the chit chat and do it after he leaves and they can splice it back in. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. So let's do, let's just get into the, uh, and even with the prayer, we, we pray before Odell prays. I pray. If you want to pray, you're welcome to. I would love to. Yes. Okay. Then let's yeah. do that part and then we'll get into it. Okay. Odell. All right. Sounds good. You want to start us Odell? I'll be glad to. Father God, we just say thank you for the opportunity that you've given us for the freedom of speech. Thank you for this great country. Thank you for our guest today, God. God, as we continue to take care and leaders all over the community, the city, the nation, remind us to be leaders in our own home, God. God, we make decisions that affect so many people. Continue to give us wisdom and purpose in our decision-making. God, we love you and we adore you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, just... Uh... Thank you for America. It's a great, great country. We've got our problems, but Lord, uh, we put them in your hands and lift them up to you. We can work through them. Thank you for our guest today, Congressman Ted Budd, who's running for Senate, uh, for his willingness to be a civil servant and take uh, take all those ab that abuse and, and, and the amount of work he does with him and his family. We just lift him and his family up and ask that you surround them with your grace, your wisdom and discernment. Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you for your grace shown to us through your son, Jesus. I thank you for your love for us and uh, the time that we have here, the technology, the relationships, and uh, the season that we're in, uh, where we celebrate the, uh, the birth of your son, who ultimately would sacrifice his life for us. Might we keep that in mind, and uh, might that be a unifying factor for us as uh, we turn to you. Be with our country, be with our leaders, uh, be with each of us today. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. 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 Well, Congressman Bud, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. It's very Bill, nice. It's great to be with you. Thank yeah. you so much. You're yeah, Bill, Bill, he's he's sitting in the good looking black guy's chair. He's sitting <laughs> Look in the good looking black guy's chair. I still got freckles, though. All right. So. <laughs> yeah. This is like the, this is the, the captain's chair and the golden microphone. This is this is well done. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, golden microphone. That was like uh, Rush Limbaugh had one like that. And <laughs> we borrowed a couple. Uh, but uh, that's that's great. The, uh, you know, I was thinking about this show and uh, this is actually a TED talk. Yeah, it really is. Right? Well, not if you're talking. So yeah, are you turning true. it over to me now? Yeah, that's All a right. good point. Maybe it's a TED listen. <laughs> it's TED listening at the <laughs> there moment. There you go. Well, I had the honor of meeting you a number of times, yes. a number of events. And uh, but the one that really sticks out is when we were up at the uh, retreat at the Black Mountain Retreat, and you right. had your son who was an Eagle Scout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a big deal to me. I him. think that was the catch because you may have had an Eagle on. You've got a uh, yeah. the Lake Erie Council uh, yeah. Scout shirt on right now. Well, I actually have yeah. a gift for you from the Lake Erie Council. Wow, that's where I grew up. Okay, uh, they they have a camp called Camp Beaumont where okay. I went, and uh, they have a lot of maple trees. Mm -hmm. And what they did is uh, they, uh, one of the volunteers said, "Hey, you know we." I, I make maple syrup. I'll teach the kids. We'll tap the trees. And so they started doing it. Well, the new Scott executive came in as a good friend of mine, Mark Robinson, and uh, not the same one. And uh, he said, uh, wait a minute, he's making all the money. Why don't we make this a business? So he talked to him and he says, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a percentage, but the money's got to come to the scouts. So they started a, uh, they started a business and it's called scouts own maple syrup. Wow. And they make a million dollars a year profit on it. Oh my goodness. This is, this is it's really good stuff. Yeah. Folks, he's looking at the bottle yeah. called scout zone. If you want to get it, uh, you can go to the greater Cle Cleveland council and order it online and they'll ship it to you. 
Well, you know, I was wondering what to get my uh, son Eagle Scout for Christmas and maybe hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast first because this might be in either his stocking or yeah rat. there you go so i'm only going to re-gift it to an eagle scout yeah, you're more family, than welcome okay to. more so than maybe welcome we can have some pancakes that morning i was torn between that and a bottle of bourbon but i figured this would be better well this kind of looks like one <laughs> and he is over 21 yes oh he does drink bourbon too okay we have boy scout bourbon you know didn't know that yeah yeah it's a, it's a big seller uh odell you want to jump in here you know, it's interesting, uh, Congressman, soon to be Senator. Uh, thank you. First thing, thank you for coming. Um, this means a lot to us. You know, I was thinking when I was doing some preliminary stuff, uh, at 14 years old, my mother bought me my first um, firearm. It was a 410 single shot, and she had a box of shells in it. Boy, you couldn't tell me nothing. I mean, every bird in South, I mean, every squirrel in South Carolina had to take cover because I had a 410 single shot, hold the shells between my fingers when I would go rabbit hunting. And it's just, it's just, just some good memories. And, you know, Bill, I had a conversation over the holidays with some of my black friends and we were just talking, right? And they were just talking, Congressman, they said, hey, what would happen, Odell? Because I always say, hey, the Democrats take the black vote for granted. The Republicans ignore the black vote. The black vote is caught between a political rock and a hard place. So my friend, and I won't mention her name, she's a very influential young lady. She said, what would happen if the black vote did this? 17% Republicans, 33% independents, 50% Democrats. And it's like, okay, and we're open to talk to everybody. you know. And I asked the question, Odell, will you vote for a Republican, a white Republican? I said, yeah, I've done that before. You know, I can tell you about that. And so Bill is the question is, would you vote for a black Democrat? And I think you would say I vote for the best person. But to the congressman, one of the things that I love about what you're doing is the fact that you try to find common ground in your politics. You're not mean spirited and all this kind of stuff, because what we're worrying about, we, uh, Bill and myself, is about are we having a conversation about what may be the results of 2024 election? Bill, your thoughts. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I saw the congressman at our Rotary Club and he did a great job talking about this was maybe a year ago, but there was a couple gotchas in there. Mm. Some people got up and asked you some some questions that I thought were unfair. And I was impressed on how you handled it. You, you, you diffused it. You didn't confront it and make it a controversial issue because I think you realize that I'm not going to convince this person. They're just trying to make a grandstand. And I, I was really impressed with that. I said, well, there's a guy that's pretty good guy he must must be a scout in there someplace i think that was at the coliseum <laughs> that was at the coliseum oh, yes, i remember that yeah. we hadn't met maybe and maybe we met briefly in person before that but yeah I remember don brady invited you. i sat at the yeah. table with don and what an intro he gave me that day. yeah oh my gosh <laughs> we miss him you know yeah oh i love him soul. i was with him the day he died the day before he died mm. and we had a hamburger together i said don what do you want he said i want a hamburger and he he told me how greasy he wanted and i got him the greasiest hamburger i can get him uh, just I miss him. He's a great guy. Yeah, the last meal I had with him was uh, barbecue off a Wendover. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great man. That's great. So listen, we had a guest on just before you and we were talking about uh, different things and something came up that was interesting. It was called uh, political polarization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you were in January 6th, you were in the Capitol. You got you were in the middle of all that. Yeah. How, how did you feel? What was going on? Uh, have you reflected on, you know, they had to escort you out. You, you, you're a gun owner. So you're thinking, boy, I could defend myself if I had to. Yeah. With an iPad and a sharp pencil. That's, <laughs> That's it. I got a 410. I have a single shot 410. I needed you. All right. So let me do this. Uh, so we don't get out of sequence here. All right. I want to go back Odell to something you mentioned just a minute ago, and then we'll talk about that day. Uh, I've got a verse that was kind of stuck in my crawl, if you will. And first of all, I think first as a Christian, and then second as a family person, then as a business person, probably then eventually as a as a political figure. Wow. But I think that kind of serves the kind of the how I do politics is kind of your opening comments there, Odell. There's this verse in Ephesians uh, chapter two, uh, verse 14, and it says, for he himself is our peace, reflecting on Jesus here. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, we're in a hostile environment, wouldn't you say? 
Yes. Yeah. But we, you know, I was thinking first as a, as a, first of all, as someone who's created by God, as all of us are, and then someone um, that has received, you know, his grace. Uh, I want to operate out of that lens and I want the love of Christ to come, come through even in trying times, whether it's at that moment at the rotary, that was a, a tough moment to diffuse or whether it was last January, 11 months ago, uh, tomorrow or a couple of days from now. So, uh, you know, that was a, you, you know, I was getting texts from people that were watching television, my wife, they were, are you okay? Different things. We didn't really know what was going on. I stayed at the Capitol that day to focus on my constitutional duties. When we realized there was uh, an incursion into the building, uh, it wasn't about this party or that party. I mean, there was some partisan activity that day. Yeah. But it was like making sure people are okay. So when they realized that the police had secured the building and then they opened a way for us to exit safely, what they thought was safely. Uh, we had a new congressman from our state who was in a wheelchair, Madison Cawthorn. Wanted to make sure he was in a safe place uh, because he couldn't use the steps. Mm. Um, so wow. wanted to make sure, and he doesn't know how to navigate through the tunnels. They're not secret tunnels, but from the Capitol with a dome on it across the street to the south to uh, where we were headed. Want to make sure he was okay. And the other is, as I'm exiting the building with Capitol Police, and other people that can't move as quickly, put my arm around someone uh, going down the steps. And I had not met this person before. So uh, I realized later after I'm in another congressman's uh, office, I'm with uh, Madison, who's in a wheelchair. And I'm thinking like, who did I have my arm around going down the steps? It was an African-American woman that I had not yet met. And um, I looked up through the... Um, I looked up through the, the pictures to make sure I, I recognized everybody. She was from California and it was Barbara Lee. Oh, wow. Congresswoman Barbara wow. Lee. Holy and, cow. and so we had gone down the steps arm in arm together. And I called, I, you know, I called her office, got her number, uh, her cell phone. We ended up connecting and just making sure each other were okay. So that's the inside story about, and, and then within a matter of hours, it was largely dissipated. What I saw that morning uh, I took a nine minute walk down to get some groceries, uh, but seven o'clock in the morning, seven 30 in the morning, casual people coming in a few flags from Taiwan and other countries that were supportive of the general movement of freedom and what transpired in those, uh, the, the darkest hour around January 6th was nothing like I saw before. And later on that day, mm. you know, it left a scar. It was a very bad day for our country. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you wish you could wind back the tape. Yeah. Um, you know, very unfortunate. Yeah. That day. Well, you know, there's, there's bad apples everywhere. And, uh, unfortunately they showed up at the Capitol that day and decided to take things in their own hand, but I appreciate you sharing the story and the human side of it, because we just see those, the clips they give us. And uh, we don't hear the human side. And you just brought that to it, it, it. Look, it's tremendously politicized, as are many things. You got to peel back a few layers to see what's really going on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for, uh, for justice and law and order, whether it's in downtown Charlotte or downtown Raleigh or whether it's at the Capitol. Sure. And, you know, you have to be, you have to have a sort of level of the playing field when you think about justice. Yeah, absolutely. So you're running a campaign. Are you running all over the state? You're wearing this guy out. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about the campaign and what you what your vision is for the state. Yeah, thank you very much. So um, I, I look through those lenses that I shared earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, our, our life is expiring moment by moment, uh, year by year. And you want it, you want it to count for something. You want to make sure that you're serving your, your fellow mankind. Um, and this is an opportunity to serve a lot of people and uh, whatever their background is to make life better for them. You hope they agree with you politically. They don't always. But even those who may not at the end of the day agree with me politically, I think that if my worldview is allowed to operate and the legislation that comes out of that, that their life will be better at the end of the day. Their neighborhoods will be safer. Their economy will be better. Their wages will rise. Their freedoms will increase. And so those are the things that I'm out there seeking to do. And I hope to be able to communicate that uh, first in the primary, which is different politically until March 8th than the general. But afterwards, um, I hope that I'm able to make sure that the broadest swath of people 
understands that I'm out for their good. Oh man, that's great. That is great. You know, folks listening to this, remember what you just heard, because when the campaign starts, the craziness starts, the victimization, they're going to make this guy look like he has horns. Uh, and I'm, I'm feeling, it, I'm wearing your headset. Right yeah, now, no, so, there you go. Uh, we'll keep mouth. Yeah. I got a 410 and I got a Have you said that? Do you know that's the only caliber of shotgun that's actually listed by caliber rather than gauge? Wow. All right. Wow. All right. There you go. A little inside go. detail. There you go. Well, you know, Odell and I do deer hunting together. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I got to be able to go deer hunting with him up in Sparta. And uh, we were in the same deer stand. It was a big deer stand. And I looked out and there's this big old buck. Mm. And, and I said, Odell, out there, there's a big buck. He goes, he looks like, he goes, holy cow. I said, shoot it. He goes, no, you shoot it. I said, no, you shoot it. And he got buck fever. Did you get the shakes? I don't know what happened. All I know <laughs> when it was over, I the, the gun hit me in the in the top of my head. I had a little thing from the scope. The deer looked at me and sticked his tongue out and walked away because I already had him on Facebook. Before I pulled the trigger, I already had posing with him on Facebook. How do you like me now? Talk about the poor boy with his 410 now. How do you like me now? It's but it's nothing it's like deal. it, man. But there's a big difference between a, a gray squirrel and a, a, a white-tailed buck. Yeah, but all day long. I will say uh, my I'm going to extend an offer for my 17-year-old daughter to come over and coach you through that if you'd like to. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could use it. Yeah, so well, I get a call in Washington. You know, it's about a year ago this time, and it's it's early in the morning, and it's a whisper. And it's my daughter. I'm like, uh, Macy, are you okay? And she said, Dad, I just shot a buck. Whoa. I was like, really? And Because, you know, I said, look, if you're going to – I coached her through this beforehand. If you're going to shoot one, you know, have a plan. Where are you going to take it? You, you got it. You got a, uh, you know, a taxidermist that you're going to go to. And yep. she had it all laid Save out. She meat, knew how man. to field dress it. So wow. we, you know, she's, just, my wife is holding the, uh, the FaceTime phone open, watching her field dress this thing on the gambrels uh, behind the house. And oh you know, she's man, all squared away, but very proud of her. She's a great outdoors woman. That's great. Did you record that? Was it recorded? Uh, I think it is. We is have it? pictures and some, uh, some footage. Of well, it that's somewhere. something when she gets married, you can put up on the screen and show everybody <laughs> and say, this is what you'll do to her husband. If he doesn't behave, we're going to have a great reception <laughs> and rehearsal. <laughs> oh, that is great. That is great. Great story. You know, I actually went rabbit hunting with your dad, with Greg Smith up in Madison twice you've told me that story before yeah. that's right and and uh, and uh, you know i didn't know you then uh but i knew your dad and, and the businesses in fact i was at deer camp all this week with greg smith in the same spot with okay. we go we've been going up there 15 years um you know we do a second amendment uh rabbit shoot yeah and uh we did one a couple couple years ago when we get another one if you're in town i'll invite you and you can join us that sounds great yeah we don't get many rabbits but we have a lot of fun you know we're kind of uh skipping over the, the the big part of the conversation and that is second amendment and odell you and i had a great conversation about two and a half years ago in your office do you remember yes. that conversation yes yes and and you walked me through six incorrect assumptions that folks can tend to have about uh you know where people come down politically and you walked me through some pretty critical issues i don't know if you listed by six or if you remember those, they're in my notes somewhere. But that was an eye-opening and formative conversation about school choice, about um, you know economic growth, about entrepreneurship, about Second Amendment. And I just want to thank you for that conversation and broadening my thinking that day. But I still remember it, uh, you know, like it was yesterday, and it's still in my notes. Well, you know, it's interesting that, and this is what we try to do. Um, of course, I'm the good-looking black guy, the Democrat. Uh, Bill is the good-looking white guy who's Republican. And now you're sitting in the good-looking black guy seat, uh, Congressman. So I know you feel a little more soul. You know, you got a little more soul in you now. You're sitting in the soul brother seat. But, but you know, it's interesting. I make, I make statements and I say things. And one of my statements is that the Democratic Party takes the black vote for granted. The Republican Party ignores the black vote. The black votes caught between a political rock and a hard place. Now, that's one of my soapbox things because I don't believe, well, I can't tell anybody how to vote. I don't think it serves as a black person, it serves us the best for we have so much in the Democratic Party. So, and I'm and I'm talking to other people, I get it. You know, I'm not saying that proud Democrat 
but the system don't always work for us. When you hear a statement like that, with the Democrats take us for granted, Republicans ignore us, how does that make you feel? What's your response to that, sir? You know, it's, it, it, I would think kind of what, what's your response is probably very similar. I, I don't like anybody for any reason ever being taken for granted. You want to deal with people, kind of what we mentioned earlier, is that we're, we're created by God and we want to operate out of those values um, and not primarily about how we look or uh, demographic background. So I want to make sure that, that people um, stand on their own as individuals valued and created by God. Right. Now, how about the point of Republicans ignore the black folk? I'm seeing less of that. I think there's, to your point, I have, I have seen that before. And it's really, it's like looking at, uh, you know, a, a giant um, uh, you know, glass that you can't get through. And how do we, I think the heart is there, but it's almost like it's so hard to cross over into issue by issue. And what right. it may have not been your words two and a half years ago when we met in your office, but you went through those six things. And I'm like, and then Amy Kate, my sweet wife, she was in a conversation with an African-American woman and they, and she was like, she's a Democrat. And Amy Kate said, well, let's talk through issues and not exactly word for word, but she went through a lot of the things, school choice, economic opportunity, yep. safety, you know, defunding the police, second amendment. And they were, they were lockstep in that conversation. And then Amy Kate said, to her new friend, she said, well, why are you still a Democrat? And her friend said, because I still want to talk to my mama. <laughs> All right. Did that resonate, Odell? I'm just asking. Yes, like it's it, definitely. It's your laughter, because, okay? Yes, because I'm for school choice. I don't believe in defunding the pro police. I think we need to retool some things. As a Black man who has been victimized by law enforcement, I just think that we need to retool some things. Also, we have to have some conversations, too, about Black-on-Black -black crime. As Black folks, we don't like to talk about that. Uh, I said something once, and people got real upset with me. I said, you know, and, and I stand by the statement, and if people are going to get upset again, but email Bill. Don't email Odell. I said, if a white police officer kill a Black person, we will turn the city upside down and everything else. However, if Black folks kill Black folks, people don't say much about it. And I know that that's going to be hard for people to hear. But I, I get it on both sides of it, but a life's a life. And again, I'm saying that as a proud uh, lifelong Democrat who has some very conservative uh, bents to him. And as a black person, a good looking black guy, but at the same time. And humble. I think sometimes, huh? And you're very humble too. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, but, but, but the thing about it, while I respect you, we don't always agree on everything, but what I respect about you is two and a half years ago, you said, Odell, let me come and listen. Let me come and listen. And we don't always agree, but we respect each other. And Bill, I think as I hand it off to you, that whole thing of respecting each other, that's what it's about. Because if not, we're going to tear each other apart. And I just think that democracy is so fragile. It's so fragile that we can't play with it because as we stated before, we have our enemies, Russia and everybody else who wants to be our enemies is looking at us like, oh, wow. You just have to sit back, boys, and let them destroy themselves. Yeah. Brilliant observation. Yeah. You know, democracy was set up to have tension. It was set up to debate. It was set up to challenge each other on concepts. But then it was set up, somebody's going to make a decision, we're going to all move in the same direction. Uh, and we've seemed to have lost some of that. You know, when I, I worked in the House uh, for a congressman, Democratic guy from Ohio, uh, as he would go, he lived in DC and his kids went to school with, you, you've heard this story about people living there and stuff as opposed to living here in their, their district. But it seemed more civil, you know, and they used the, the Ronald Reagan example with Tip O'Neill and how they used to say, you know, we're going to argue, but at five o'clock, we're going to sit down and have a bourbon or a drink. And uh, one day Reagan called Tip and it was about noon. He goes, I think it's five o'clock. And we got to get to that point. And I know there's some of that as you do it and you build relationships uh, with people, but the press just gets in there and makes everybody look like they hate each other and they don't want to work together. Like it or not, mm -hmm. hate is a very powerful motivator. Yeah. I don't like that it is. I think the issue is less a political divide, less even a racial divide. 
and more a factor of human nature. Yeah. And I, I think it has to do with, um, you know, issues that go back to the garden. Amen. Amen. Oh, I, no doubt about it. You know, uh, Bill, be careful, Bill. You know, he's a, he went to seminary. You know I know. He went to I, seminary, right? Yeah. Where, tell us about that. Tell about us about going to seminary. Yeah. Well, I don't think you were in the garden. I, <laughs> no, I'm older than you I'm, and I know I wasn't. I'm suffering the results of it, as are we, <laughs> we all. all. Yeah. 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 But you went, you went to seminary. Yeah. So um, my wife and I, um, well, let's go back to August of 1991. Okay. So if you think politically and geopolitically, what was going on, you've got uh, tensions in the Cold War. I went on the, I think it was the first mission trip, Christian mission trip to the Soviet Union. Wow. wow. It wasn't Russia. It was Russia, but that was one of the Soviet Union. And so I went there with a, a mission trip, Josh McDowell, people that were probably eight years old to 80 years old. There was 405 Americans on that trip. That's a big mission they, trip. They, it was. It was huge. And they chartered two Aeroflot planes over there. Wow. Uh, went to Moscow. I believe that was our first stop. Bus opens up on Red Square. And I'm thinking, I'm going to jail. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're distributing Christian literature. Oh, my god. The goodness. Gospel of Luke translated in Russian. We've, we've also brought over multiple suitcases that we could bring and then we'd leave one there with medical supplies in it. Um, and, uh, you know, so as I step off the bus, these people find out that we're giving them the gospel and they start these elderly people that had sensed freedom before probably pre 1917, they're pulling open our, uh, our backpacks and then distributing it to their friends. Wow. Cause they're so elated to see, you know, the gospel, which ultimately is freedom. Um, so two things happened that very week. One is the Iron Curtain began to collapse, and we saw all sorts of things happen. It was on international news, and, and Yeltsin uh, was at the airport shaking hands. He rose to power. Gorbachev uh, stepped down. Gorbachev stepped down. And the second thing that happened was I met my wife. Really? She was and, on the mission trip? She was on the mission trip. Yeah, people are like, oh, you met her in Russia. You know, how's her English? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You know, she's from West Virginia. Last so. name is Yuri. That's right. That's right. No, she's <laughs> oh, from my goodness. West Virginia. So, uh, you know, after we graduated college, her at Marshall University, Thundering Herd and me from uh, App State, you know, we, we got married and went to Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas, Texas. Fabulous um, start to life together. Still have great relationships from there. And came back in uh, the late 90s and started life back here in Winston-Salem triad area. So, uh, you know, uh, I just think that was an amazing experience to have, have gone out there and to have guys like Tony Evans, Chuck wow. Swindoll, um, just uh, Howard Hendricks, John Hanna, everywhere from great preachers and orators to scholars. I didn't picture myself ever as a pastor. Maybe I'd be involved in a ministry like Young Life or something. Um, or a parachurch type ministry, but I thought uh, I really want a theological understanding through which to process the world. If God created us, maybe there's something to learn from him that would make me more effective as I navigate this world for my remaining years. Wow. And you are in a ministry. It's called the U.S. Congress. <laughs> Going to the so. Senate. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. I mean, that's a huge ministry there. What a fascinating story. So she's from West Virginia. Where in West Virginia? She was born in South Charleston. Mm -hmm. She's a coal miner's granddaughter. Holy cow. That's right. Wow. That's right. And then later, um, you know, still a young girl moved to the Eastern Panhandle, which is squished right in there between Maryland and Northern Virginia. Okay. So Very north good. of Winchester, Virginia in Martinsburg. Okay. Now I know you have one son that's an Eagle Scout. That's right. And tell us about your family. So we have three children, mm -hmm. uh, a 22-year-old getting ready to wrap up at Liberty, mm -hmm. and then a 20-year-old at Samford in Birmingham, Alabama, and then one that is, uh, we're still at home, our youngest, Macy. And, you know, right because we're talking about a little bit about the campaign, one of the things she said to me, she said, Dad, I'm 17, but I will be able to vote in the primary because I'll be 18 by the general. And I was like, that's great. And she says, I'll go anywhere in the state and tell young people how important it is to vote. Oh, man. And that'll melt to dad's heart. right? Yeah. There. Ooh, that makes me. Ooh. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. It's a great family situation. Well, this week I was on zoom from Washington, DC as she was in front of a ladies group in Charlotte. Wow. Three generations of buds. It was my sweet mother uh, that was on that uh, trip to Russia with me. And uh, 
then it was my wife, Amy Kate, and then my daughter, Macy. So wow. at a women's event, and I was able to speak, but I really wanted to step back and listen to her. Speak. Yeah. Yeah. Job. Oh, 17. Wow. How rich is that? Now, does the Bud family go back far in North Carolina? Uh, so my dad was a first, you'll, this is a, a great story. So before I was ever born, right. Um, when Wake Forest was in the town of Wake Forest and that's how, you know, as North Carolinians, we have to explain why Wake Forest is in Winston-Salem. <laughs> well, so, RJ Reynolds wanted a world-class university. They essentially supported the move from Wake Forest town to Winston-Salem, still Wake Forest university. It was Wake Forest college at the time, by the way, uh -huh. but they needed a great basketball team. And Odell, I feel like we may have even had this story when we, we shared it years ago. But so they recruited a young Dave Bud from Woodbury High in South Jersey to come play. South Jersey. Yeah. So he's right across from Philadelphia. Yeah. And so he came down and played under a guy named Bones McKinney. Well, Dave's younger brother is my dad, Richard Bud. And so Dave Bud later went on to play for the New York Knicks. Uh, my Holy dad cow. had come down and stayed. But my, his, his older brother, Dave, my uncle, went to the New York Knicks and got really famous one night when he was playing basketball at Hershey Arena against Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, my gosh. And the night that Wilt scored 100 points. Oh, my gosh. Holy <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That, so he's got an asterisk there. He does. <laughs> he does. And, uh, great. You know, uh, played, I think, five or six years for the Knicks and uh, gets his NBA pension. He's 80, uh, 81, I what believe. Great stories. But great, you know, great oh. health and, um, you know, pretty well known up in that in that area. So my dad said, I love North Carolina you know, from 1960 on and said, I'm staying. And, uh, you know, life began here, you know, 10 years later for me. Yeah. And you're a successful small business person. Your dad is too. He started out small and <clears throat> now it's a little bit bigger, but, uh, I understand you own a gun shop. I do. You know, 11 years ago, the Winston, uh, the Winston Salem PD came to me and there was a bankrupt closed indoor gun range and in the North side of Winston in rural hall. And the PD needed a place to train. They were driving to Thomasville. It was a long way away. And they said, would you allow us to train here? We'll be your first customer. And uh, before I opened it, the training captain, uh, then lieutenant, he came to me and said, never underestimate the need of the public to have a safe place to shoot. Hmm. I said, you're telling me to open this to the public, not just keep it for you all. He's like, absolutely. And so our motto has since you know, 11 years later, our motto has become helping our community responsibly enjoy firearms. Oh, man. So from the 410 in South Carolina back in the day, that's great. We want hey, more uh, firearms in the hands of responsible people. And Odell, you sure seem like one. Hey, listen, I appreciate it. But my main question, Congressman, is this. What was your pickup line in Russia when you met your wife? What was the pickup line? I think hers. I don't remember mine, but hers was like, Niet. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Niet. <laughs> mine, first time I met her, I, I told her I'd like to take her out. She laughed at me. And I'm like, okay, if I... This could hurt my ego. And she says, well, why do you want to go out with me? And I said, well, I'd like to get to know you. And she thought that was a good enough thing. And now we've been married 28 years. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you that the romance didn't start there. It started because it was a, a group now called Crew. They had a conference in Daytona Beach, which is uh, adjacent to, you know, kind of spring break, bike week, Daytona Beach. I went down there to, I was in an overflow hotel and I realized a couple doors down, she was there with Marshall University. I was with my guy friends from App State and I went and knocked on her door and said, would you like to go ride motorcycles on the beach? And wow. she said, yes. And, you know, I've got skills on two wheels. And, uh, and I think that's what made her fall in love. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now see, Bill, see what happens when the congressman sits in the good looking black guy seat. He gets skills. He gets skills. He gets skills. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, <laughs> Congressman. Um, let me ask a question. Um, first thing, I want to say how much I respect you, you because you remind me a lot of um, our buddy, Bill. Oh, um, was in District 6 before Mark Walker. Um, Is this Coble? Oh, Howard Coble. Howard Coble. Coble. Yes, yes. One thing about Howard Coble, you knew he would say yay or nay. And he was, this is nice. And, you know, that's the thing about it. You have to say what you believe. And I appreciate that. You're in a tough race, of course. If you had opportunity to say to Black people, Black Democrats, that 
why why should a black Democrat vote for you in the general? Because of course we can't vote in the primary. What would you say? I don't think it has to be that complicated. I just want folks to know me. I want them to know my heart. And I want them, first of all, to know that I am for them. That by supporting me, I will work day and night to make their lives, their neighborhoods, their communities better. Great answer. Great yeah. answer. To you, Bill. Well, you know, just to reinforce that statement, you've already proven it by doing it in Congress. So it's just going to be in a bigger, bigger area. Thank you. It's like when you're a great salesman, they give you more territory, right? And if you're a good shot, you get a bigger gun, not a 410. <laughs> I like that one. Hey, the skilled hunters, the skilled duck hunters still use 410. Do they really? They do. Oh, my goodness. Hey, just for the record now, last year at the rabbit hunt, I couldn't find any... Um, ammo for my 410 12 gauge pump oh, so God. i end up having my 410 with the and i rabbit came take it off bill i turned around and i got him so you know the good looking black guy with a single shot 410 and i have some witnesses so you know and it's the same 410 that my mother bought me when i was 14 years old and it's interesting she bought me the gun when a lot of people say don't you dare give that boy a gun hunting and proper training of firearms is a big deal. It helped change my life. It gave me a different perspective and a love that I still love to this day. I could go in the woods, Bill, and I could hear a, a leaf fall from the tree in the deer stand. And you could hear that leaf hit a branch and just go, go, go. I love the outdoors. I love the outdoors. It's good for the soul. We need a lot more people. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. And a lot more people spend more time in the woods and have the mentorship and the responsibility that goes along with that. And you didn't learn firearms from Hollywood. You learned it, or you know, from YouTube. You learned it. Uh, you learned it the right way. You learned it safely, and you yeah. still carry that with you today. Amen. Yeah. Well said. You know, that's it, it. Made me think of scouting because our laboratory is the outdoors. Yes, it is. We take them out there and let them learn and let them make mistakes and within a safe area. And and uh, we also teach a lot of gun safety, a yeah. lot of gun safety. We had a group of kids come in uh, to our camp and they were shooting. Uh, I think they were shooting four tens. We had some four tens they moved into. And we asked him, he said, what do you think of this? And he said, doesn't sound like the guns in our neighborhood. Mm. I was like, okay, this is a whole different level. We're getting near those black kids, Bill, those black kids. They, they were, about? they were, they wow. were from the inner city. Uh, we're getting near the end. You have a hard stop. We want to respect that. We always give our guests uh, two things, the last word, and how do you find common ground? Uh, you find common ground by listening to what other people are interested in. Mm. And I, I, you look, I, I want to know, like, we're obviously Odell's interested in the 410 because that's very meaningful from growing up as a kid in South Carolina to now. Um, you're interested in scouting. We've all three of us have common ground. So I think uh, God's given us two ears and one mouth for a mm. reason. Mm. So let's listen to one another. And uh, it's important to, uh, to know others before you seek to be known. So I think that's important. And, you know, I want, first of all, I think it's most important before we be reconciled with each other, we be reconciled with our creator through his son mm. who came as the ultimate sacrifice mm. for anything we ever could have done wrong past, present, and future. And I think by leaning on that out of that, we'll solve these other issues. Great. Great. Well said. Well, Congressman Bud, future senator thank you for being on our show we we we're going to talk about this as a ted talk but then you'd have to do all the talking so we'll call it a ted conversation bill odell I look forward to continuing the conversation whenever you all are ready and you've been gracious hosts so thank you we'll have you back again thank you very you much what, congressman just want to end it this way i had um, as you know i'm from south carolina Geechee's former slaves one of our great great grandmothers would pray like this and i'll say the prayer and then i'll interpret what it meant she would say, you know what I done ya for? I ain't got to tell ya. And what she's saying is, God, you know why I'm down here on my knees, what I'm praying for. I don't need to say it to you. So, Congressman, I pray for your safety. I pray for your family. And I just pray for your decision making as God continue to lead you. And I'll end it with this. You know what we're done ya for? I ain't got to tell you. And thank you so much for coming on our show today, sir blessings and thank you Adele. good we're done we'll talk if you want but you guys if you have to go now they need uh, to, yeah they, yeah. they got a, a hard 
a hard uh, stop. Yeah. Congressman, thank you for coming. Thank you for no. trusting us enough. Thank Absolutely. you for trusting us enough. Well, uh, you gonna give us some bourbon off the record? Give <laughs> us some bourbon to give to someone who drinks because he doesn't. Yeah, we got some Boy Scout bourbon down there. We can probably give hey, a bottle. You know, uh, we can appreciate this as, as those with theological training, Odell. You know, it's kind of like uh, the two things that Baptists don't recognize. One is the authority of the Pope, and the other is each other in the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yo, make sure right. that's not used. We can't. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, uh, use it if you want. We, <laughs> we, there's uh, Jesus walked into a restaurant, you know, in, in, when he was with his disciples, and he said, boys, just ordered water. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Odell, we'll see you, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, Congressman, if you ever want to give me and Bill some shooting uh, lessons, please let us know. Good looking black guy. I'll bring something powerful, more powerful than the 410 or we go rabbit, honey. I would love to go with you. So just let us know. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that 410 ammo is interchangeable for the judge, which is interchangeable. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. 45 long colt. I had no idea. Good to go. Good to go. See ya. Bye. I got one of those downstairs. The judge. That's a nice gun. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Hope it was, uh, oh, it's perfect. Yeah. I'll let you know when it airs. You can throw it on your site. We put it on Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website. What if I'm going to take this too? Yeah. We're in about 13 countries right now, and we get about uh, each day about it. We do two podcasts a yeah. week. We start out with one. Yeah. And it's just growing like crazy. That sounds great. I mean, I was looking at your uh, thing there. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Let me go get you some bourbon.
have to go. Okay, bye.